Hello there, my name is Jessie and I am living with a unique type of diabetes called MODI. MODI stands for Maturity Onset Diabetes of the Young. And MODI is caused by a mutation or change in a single gene. There are many different kinds of MODI depending on which gene is involved. I want to raise awareness about MODI and other rare forms of diabetes because honestly, there isn't much information about. I aim to create a space for you to share your stories, gain knowledge and help you to live your life to the fullest with diabetes. Welcome to the Modi and Me podcast. A quick reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as medical advice. You should always consult your medical team before making any changes to your current management. Today I have the pleasure to talk with a wonderful lady who lives with Modi Tree. We connected about two years ago over Instagram and she's a real inspiration for me. Her positive mindset is admirable. Say welcome to Claire Murray. Hi, Claire, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jesse. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here and agreed to talk to me. Um, so yeah, let's start by uh, telling our guests a bit, uh, a bit about yourself. Uh, yes, of course. Um, obviously, thank you for inviting me onto your podcast um, to talk about my life with Modi3. Um, I'm a wife uh, to a wonderful supportive husband, Paul, and a mom to two children. Um, I say children, but they're sort of going towards the young adults now. Time's going very fast. Um, Ethan is 16 and Sophie's 18. Um, I've also got a dog, a little Pomeranian called Archie, who I love so much. Um, I'm 48 years old, um, we'll be turning 49 in June this year. We live in a lovely town called Solihull, which is based within the West Midlands in England. Uh, probably been here for about 22 years now. Um, most of my childhood was spent living in a lovely country cottage in a little village called Berkswell. Uh, where I lived with my parents, David and Sheila, and my sister, Julie. My childhood was a happy, normal upbringing, and I was extremely lucky, um, as a little girl, to have experienced um, living around such beautiful countryside, um, which was on the doorstep for me to explore. So yeah, that's a bit about my, my background. Thank you for sharing that. Must have been lovely uh, living in the outdoors. I grew up in I grew up in this city, and um, I crave the outdoors nowadays. So, as you can imagine. Well, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's good for us. The fresh air absolutely is the best medicine. Um, if I remember correctly, you were diagnosed back in 1996 already. That's uh, by the time the doctors became aware that Modi existed? Yeah, 
I was actually diagnosed 4th of September 1996 with MODI, um, maturity onset diabetes of the young or monogenic diabetes. I was age 23 at the time. Um, it all started when I went for a medical routine check um, as I was changing doctors. Results of that medical showed that I was showing sugar. I was then referred to the hospital for further investigation. From memory, I recall um, just a finger prick test um, to test my blood glucose, which at the time, looking back on records, was 13.1. Now, I think if we convert it, it's about 235. I think that's correct. Um, and yes, on the notes, it was actually stated, looks like Modi. Um, I think with my mum being a diabetic and her father, my granddad, it was recognised towards, more towards Modi. Um, I remember as a child, my mum telling people that she was a mild diabetic. That's how she sort of classed herself um, because nobody had heard of Modi. So back in her days, mild diabetic, that's how she described it. Um, following my first appointment, the nurse put me on a diet only plan to see if my sugars would improve. And I was then scheduled another appointment um, two months later where they actually did a blood test to test my um, HbA1c. That came out at 7.1, which is 54 conversion, which doesn't sound too bad, but I was on a really strict diet and the fact I was probably not eating very much at all. So, you know, there was a little problem there. I was then put on um, glycoside, um, which is a tablet which stimulates insulin secretion. Um, half a tablet, um, 40 milligram, just before breakfast. And I remember, I remember thinking this tablet, I, I class it as a magic tablet because my A1C came right down to 4.5. And that was with me being able to eat more sensibly, have, have food and, and, and enjoy it. Um, symptoms prior to diagnosis, I can honestly say no. I was active, I was in full-time work, socialising, always watching what I ate because I was 23 and wanted to feel good about myself. So wasn't really showing symptoms. The only thing I can say, I felt tired, um, but I was in work and I used to go out socialising. So I used to just put the tiredness down too. But going forward in my 20s, my results, I had excellent control right through my 20s. Okay, thank you for sharing that. It reminds me so much about my own journey, because um, for me as well, I didn't experience any symptoms at the time. It was a routine checkup with my sports physician. 
my mom was to a mild diabetic. Uh, she was officially diagnosed as a type two, right, but she was right. like this very active, skinny person. Um, yes. She wasn't overweight. She hadn't high blood pressure and stuff like that. So she was yeah. like a very atypical type two patient. So it reminds me a lot of my, my own story. I guess many people will recognize this, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, as a child, your body copes. Um, exactly. Yeah. You don't know as a child, um, you know, life is just normal as a child. And then mm. they do say usually with Modi, it's detected before the age of 25. Usually it comes out then. But as I say, I never actually... I can't say that I went to my mom and said, mom, I feel really ill or I just didn't show, I wasn't drinking excessively, mm -hmm. you know, so I wasn't really showing many symptoms. It was just purely potluck with, with um, yeah. going to a new doctor and him doing the medical check. So, which was a good job at the time. It was, uh, it was found out. Them. yeah it's uh, it's, it's remarkable they they yeah. found out um you you were a modi because yeah many people get the wrong diagnosis even now so yes that's correct i think it's because it was getting there was a little talk about it it was the start maybe then when recognizing maturity onset diabetes of the young you know it was um it was sort of getting out there a yeah. little bit was maybe a hot topic at the time at your hospital and yeah were, <laughs> who knows yeah. who knows um so you were already married by the time you received the diagnosis if i'm correct nope no <laughs> i did my calculations wrong then <laughs> so no i um oh. so i met in 1997 um, I was aged about 24 25 I think I was turning 25 that year um, and from memory um, on our first date I mentioned something in conversation um, that I had to be careful with sugar probably explaining why um, I had to always have the sugar-free drinks. I can honestly say he was just quite oblivious to the conversation <laughs> about diabetes. I think he was more interested in looking into my green eyes at the time rather than me talking about yeah. the sugars. Um, but yeah, Paul has learned so much about my condition diet healthy lifestyle um as the years have passed by and i'm still learning and i still offload what i'm learning onto him so even now at 48 we're still educating ourselves to be honest so uh, so yeah but all okay I, I did my calculations wrong because uh, I, I looked up how how long your guys were married and Maybe it's my calculations, Jesse. <laughs> Don't worry no, about it. It's it's lovely to hear he, he has evolved with you in such a lovely way. 
No, he's very good. He's very good. Very supportive. Always has been. So you, you mentioned your, your mother has diabetes. Are there any other family members you know of? Yeah. Um, as far back as I know, as we know, um, having conversation with my mom, um, my great nan, um, whose name was Mary Murphy, um, my granddad, Jim Boffin, and my mom, Sheila Bavington. Those are the three members of, of our family link that we're aware of. It could have gone further, um, but we've got no record of that. But my great nan, from conversation with, with my mother, um, was a very poorly lady. And I think the Modi condition affected her mental health. Her husband, who's my, my great granddad, he died quite young and she was left to bring up young children, which in those days was hard work. Um, and treatment was just not around, you know, in those days for the diagnosis. So, uh, you know, it's a shame how it was back then. My granddad, he was on insulin, um, but my mom always argued with his doctors that his medication was all wrong. Um, he was all, all, he was always slipping into diabetic comas due to low blood sugars. Um, oh my God. Um, I remember as a child, we'd like go around to his flat and he was found like on the floor, we'd be calling the ambulance. And it was quite scary um, as a child to see this. Um, and again, it was difficult time for him. He just probably wasn't having the, he probably didn't need the insulin he was having. And it just, they didn't have no monitors in those days. So his sugar levels were probably just dipping far too low, which would then He'd yeah. pass out, basically. My mum um, has always been on glycoside, um, along with healthy diet. She's an amazing, very active lady. Um, for 78 years old, she turned 78 this year. She's an excellent role model for me. Um, so, yeah, she's, uh, she's good. She's good. She does everything. She kayaks down every river in England. Oh, really? Whoa. <laughs> oh, she's amazing, honestly. Oh, but, my. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she, loves, she loves kayaking. She gets on a river, and I think she just finds her peace there and the beauty. And that's everyone's got a passion, and that's what she enjoys. So, yeah, and it keeps her fit. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Um, yeah. Getting in the outdoors and whoa, but seventy-eight years old and kayaking. I yeah. can't imagine my mom doing that, and she's only sixty-seven. <laughs> yeah, no, she's very good. She's into swimming as well, so she's always obviously she's slim. Active lifestyle helps immensely with. The condition having yeah. those it's just it's key it's so important um and you know I, I think I've been brought up myself 
you know, with the influence of my parents. And although I love sport and I love the outdoors, we've always been an active, active family. So, yeah, it's good. All good. It's so nice to hear because that's one of the things with my mom. She 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 also has Modi one, but she really doesn't take good care of herself. She she doesn't um, exercise. She doesn't watch her food. She she always tells me it's too late for me. I'm too old. But that's. No, it's really it's, not the case. It's so frustrating if I. Yeah, but it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. Every time I, I, I start talking about it, we get into this kind of argument, and right. so, yeah, mm. that's that's the difficult part for me. But yeah. So um, so you you mentioned you at the start of your diagnosis you uh, your management was the glycoside and um, diet has that changed over the years or what are you doing now with obviously with the condition as I get older the insulin production gets less and less I have noticed a change um, in my 20s everything was great I managed really well half a tablet in the morning which is the dose is 40 milligram of glycoside then I've noticed it's always been like a bit of a 10-year pattern so during 2003-2005 when I was going through my pregnancies I had to be switched on to insulin um yeah which was a um, probably story we'll discuss later on and then 2007 I increased the glycoside uh, so this was after I'd had the children to an additional half a tablet with my evening meal which sort of was fine it really was managed quite well on that and then 2008 so a year later I was 35 they actually started me on a cholesterol tablet, um, which is called simavastatin, before mm-hmm. bedtime, 20, it's a low dose, 20 milligram. And this was because they're quite strict with my cholesterol level and it had to be below four. I don't know if you, I don't know if you have to convert that, Jesse, but over here it's sort of like the cholesterol level is... They like it to be below four. Yeah, they, they have this cutoff marks for people yeah. with diabetes here as well. It's another number. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it up afterwards. Yeah. But we, we do have these benchmarks we, we need to reach as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, out of interest, my cholesterol level at the moment, it's 4.7, but it's never been flagged up. I'm still on the same dose of the tablet since I've been on since I was 35. Um, but my HDL, which is the mm-hmm. healthy fat, um, is a really good number. So I think they sort of like weigh it all up. And I think they're just quite happy with the 4.7, to be honest. But, you know, whether there might be change there, uh, I don't know. I'd have to see. And then 2018, so I was about 45, I upped my 
tablet on the evening to another half. So it's one whole tablet on an evening, still half in the morning, one on the evening. And then only recently, last year, I upped to one in the morning and one on the evening, which seems to be working really well at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, a difficult couple of years for all of us with COVID and probably lifestyle changes and gyms closing. So I just felt there was the need to, or my body needed a little bit more help. So hence why I, I sort of took it upon myself, but I did confirm with the doctor what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and my next test for my A1C is in June. So I've just got fingers crossed that yeah. everything will be good. Yeah. So that's sort of like, since I was diagnosed, that's the kind of pattern what, what's happened, which yeah. clearly shows there's been some change mm -hmm. going on. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear because um, like I, I talked to other people with Modi tree and they they have like um, this whole other progression rate. Some of them are on insulin by now after just like 10 years. Um, for me, um, I started with the same medication as you back then, but like I think after five years, it wasn't enough anymore. So they yeah. mixed in other type two drugs and I got this whole cocktail of oral medications, which made yeah. me feel so, didn't yeah. work for me, but yeah. I'm so glad it works for you like this. Uh, yeah. Interesting I to mean, hear. Everybody is different. Um, there was a lady yesterday who sent me a message over and um, I think she's sort of in her, late 50s and she was diagnosed as a Modi but she takes a combination of glycoside with a fast-acting insulin really? um yeah which it, it's sort of been a question um that I've been asking myself is it something that I need especially with my morning because it's just the morning that I'm noticing that my sugars tend to go up the ladder rather than on a straight line. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's all, but it was interesting yesterday hearing, you know, what other people do to try and help. So I didn't know that. I don't, I didn't know that you could take mm. the insulin with the glycoside. So I've, I've never been told. Yeah. That, so, that's, yeah. yeah, we are kind of special category of diabetics, I guess, because uh, I've been on all those, yeah, combination of stuff myself. Um, Quite a cocktail there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. So, but yeah, I, I, I sometimes think the doctors are guessing themselves because yeah, they really can't compare us. Yeah, like, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that once again confirms that uh, even two people with the same type of Modi or can be managed quite differently. So have you noticed that doctors know more about Modi now than back when you were diagnosed in, in 96? Because you've been living with the illness for 26 years now. Uh, 
Has yeah. that changed? Interesting uh, question there, Jesse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Throughout the years um, of having Modi, um, several, many times, I've had to explain to practitioners about Modi and what type of diabetes it is. Um, my last results prior to COVID uh, was with a diabetic nurse called Deborah Collins. And yes, she knew all about Modi. And I, I think I just sat there in shock and <laughs> it was a breath of fresh air. And I actually said, you really know Modi? And she said, yeah. So she was wonderful. And I'm just fingers crossed that I've got her at my next review meeting, hopefully face to face and, and not over the phone but yeah I, I think more awareness is being highlighted towards Modi with the influence of people like um, Professor Maggie Shepherd who does a fantastic amazing job she spreads the information um, with organized lectures for doctors and nurses so you know the education it's getting out there. It is, um, hopefully, the professionals are going to get more updated with Modi. Um, my knowledge has gained immensely recently over the past couple of years, just getting to know this brilliant community um, that I found on Instagram. I personally, I've learned so much more, even finding out what type of Modi um, I am. I didn't know this until Kylie, um, who she's the same as me. She's a Modi three. So from the gene um, that's been altered, she confirmed, yes, you are Modi three. So that's new to me. Um, so I think spreading awareness um, that there's more than two types of diabetes yeah. is just so important and the word is getting out there so I think doctors are getting more aware of it but it's took time yeah it has took time yeah it's it's good that information is finally reaching them I'm I'm astonished to hear your diabetic nurse knew about it because I still have to explain every time. I've never come across a, phys a physician or a medical health professional that knew about Modi. So I, I hope this will happen soon yeah. for me too. Yes, that, that's exactly why, why I'm doing this, to, to help and raise awareness. Um, and I think it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's working. Yes. Yeah, for, for me too, the community has, has been amazing. It's, uh, it's so lovely to, to talk to people who are going through the same thing and learn from each other. And I we, honestly we learned. Like we can relate as well. You know, there's certain things and even the education on, on food. Um, it's the information is just so useful. We, can share little tips we can share oh I found this in the supermarket give it a go so yes it, it, 
it's really good recipes it's mm -hmm. it's brilliant really really good brings a little bit of fun into it doesn't it absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh i was wondering claire are you are you worried about your health in the future i think as long as i stay active maintain healthy weight which gets harder as you get older um and stay mentally strong then no um obviously i'm an active person as you get older you know your body's not as young but you can find other things that even just walking it's a form of exercise walking uh, is the best yeah yeah so i'm not really too worried at this stage if i can manage it by knowing what i've learned and i sort of use my own thinking i manage myself and i sort of like know what to do and um, do i do this so uh, i think what does worry me um going forward is how easy it is for doctors or nurses to put the blame on having diabetes to other issues that might occur. For example, um, cholesterol could be something that is in the family where you could have high cholesterol. It might not actually be related to having diabetes. Um, stroke, heart problems. I think it's, it's something that they can turn around and say, oh, you've had that heart attack because you're a diabetic it's not exactly it might not be linked there might be yeah. other underlying health issues that have caused that and i think it could be quite frustrating if they put the blame because if you are sensible and you have good control in your life then i don't think the issues might not exactly be linked to the condition yeah. so although we might be a diabetic it's i just i think that might get me a bit frustrated because i do try and look after myself and if they do put blame on diabetes yeah. i'll say well hold on a minute it could be other things it could be other underlying issues mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's the only kind of worry i have but so, so in summary you're pretty confident about your management at the time and how you're handling things but it's more about the stigma around diabetes that you're worried about yeah, just, just worried if anything else crops up that they just put the simple blame oh it's because you're diabetic um but no management wise i think fingers crossed i don't know till june we've got to see what happens in june but um at the moment i feel healthy and everything's good so I've got no immediate worries of this moment in time for the future. That's nice to hear because uh, yeah. you look amazing and I think you're doing a wonderful job being so active and Thank you, taking care of yourself. Um, I do my best. <laughs> yes, I, I see every day you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, on that note, so besides from the, um, the blood sugar issues, uh, obviously, and the slightly like the cholesterol medication you need to take, um, have you ever experienced any other 
symptoms that you think may be related to Modi tree? Um, no, um, not really. I mean, I've read about the risk of um, coronary heart disease, um, which is also raised in the HNF1A gene. Um, even though levels of the healthy cholesterol, the HDL is usually high, they do recommend early treatment um, from the age of 40 with a cholesterol lowering medication to protect the heart. Um, as I mentioned before, I, I started on a cholesterol tablet um, aged 35 mm -hmm. um, and I take one every night. It's never caused me any issues. And as I stated um, earlier, they like the cholesterol to be in the fours, below four, or, you know, as I say, mine's 4.7, but it hasn't been flagged up as a problem. Um, the only other thing is um, I have yearly, probably like you, Jesse, we have yearly eye examinations. Yeah which check the back of the blood vessels mm -hmm. to make sure Correctly. there's no little leaks or um, fingers crossed everything's good so yeah. far. Um, so yeah, and we have to, obviously if you have bad control, it can affect the nerve endings. Um, but there are things that are sort of like, they put in the bracket of, of which could be related to yeah. having Modi. But it's like what I said before, if you can try and live as much of a healthy lifestyle and keep on top and um, look after yourself, then these problems, hopefully, fingers crossed, shouldn't really occur. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally agree that if you're taking good care of yourself and your management is good, you absolutely have no reason to worry about all those complications yeah. like that's that's yeah. exactly the same as with uh, type 1 diabetes uh, type 2 diabetes so yeah. if you are doing a good job like you are you shouldn't be worried about those yeah. no i was just uh, thinking about like with modi 5 those people can have like kidney cysts uh, or urinary tract problems and stuff like that but you haven't experienced anything out of the yeah. ordinary there no. no, I've never, because I know within my, um, my, my blood tests with the, um, where the A1C, they test the kidneys and liver, it's all in there. Yeah. And I've never had, touch wood, I've never had any um, issues um, of concern. So I'm not no doctor and I see these numbers and I, it, they must be in range. I don't really know what they mean, but um, yeah, no, that's that's all good. Okay. Um, so yeah, different. How many modis? Remind me again, Jesse. There's 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 a oh, seventeen. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's about seventeen now. They have discovered. Yeah. Yeah. So. so any in, and I was sorry. gonna say even even two people with the same type of of modi can have a complete different um yeah they're gonna have completely different symptoms so 
Yeah. Uh, there's so much to be discovered at, at that front. So. Yeah, I suppose it's all relating to the gene, the different genes that's had the alteration. And yes. on that alteration, what signals that gene sends out to your body and yeah. where it's going to affect within the body. Um, for me, it's sending the signal to the pancreas to say, right, as you get older, you slow down. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, it's all different. And, and like you said, Jesse, with yourself, is the kidneys, is the kidneys yeah, that- Yeah, I have some problems with my kidneys at the moment, yeah. Yeah. So, Which is yeah. under control at the moment, so. Uh, okay, so uh, you mentioned you recently started with the, uh, the sensor, the Freestyle Libre. Can you can you tell us why you decided to start it? Because I got your self-funding that. Yes, um, that's right. And um, it has been a real eye-opener for me. Um, can imagine. <laughs> it was for yeah. me as well. Yeah. Apart from the fact of me just getting sick of pricking my fingers all the time and trying to find some kind mm -hmm. of graph from that um you know try and get a pattern of what is happening I just felt in myself it was more necessary to get a little bit more in-depth information of what when and how affects my blood sugars yes I'm self-funding um as my doctor they won't fund but um I will, at the next meeting, I'll show them the, the stats that I've managed to get together and show them where I think the problem has been. Um, in the morning, particularly, it's, as soon as I get out of bed before food, there's a upward line heading upwards. Um, so initially that's opened my eyes up because I didn't know that was happening managing having the the sensor makes the levels sort of like it, it's making me realize what I should be eating and what's necessary um to help I found it very interesting and useful I now drink decaf coffee because I found coffee gave me a yeah. spine um no more porridge porridge was just sent me so high um and on the evening i've changed my meals to more low carb so it's introducing finding alternatives such as pulses and mixed veg and chickpeas and you know which i've Got some great recipes from the community of what to do and that has really helped um, I've learned how certain exercise can spike a steady cardio causes less of a spike whereas intense seems to bout out adrenaline and I think this adrenaline with cortisol the you know the hormones I, causes a spike so that's okay. been a lot a proper eye-opener mm -hmm. stress is another thing <laughs> we all have stress in our life it's uh, part of every day but stress it, it activates 
again, adrenaline, mm -hmm. cortisol, and uh, us modis just don't like that adrenaline because it has it has an effect on us. Yeah. Um, the other week, I went to watch my daughter play in a netball. She, they were in the final with her university, and yes, it was a very exciting game. Oh my God, from the graph, I've never seen such a high spike. And I said to her, they won. Thankfully, they won. But the, um, the adrenaline that must have been going around my body had a massive impact um, on my levels. So uh, that was interesting, yeah. But I, I just generally feel that it's really improving my well being and it's making me happier. And it's helping me work towards a better A1C number. So for me, it, I'm finding it very useful. Yeah, I can imagine it was an eye-opener for me too. I've been self-funding for quite a while in the beginning myself. Um, and I just couldn't, uh, couldn't not wear it anymore. It was was helping me so much as well it made me feel so much happier indeed um, yeah so yeah it, it, i totally it, get it yeah no it is good so i will keep it going um initially i was thinking just do it as a like a bit of a uh, experiment but i think i'm going to keep it going for a while um just to see you know see if the improvement in the more it's the mornings that I'm working on. So yeah. And those are challenging if you're not on insulin. Because uh, yes. like the it's again the hormones that are waking up your body that cause that spike. And yes. You're eating breakfast at the same time and that combination can yeah can yeah. cause a big spike in the mornings. Yeah. You know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you and where I'm coming from I get it and I think most of our listeners will too yes I'm sure yes yeah so you you generally feel like the sensor is helping you um getting more of control gaining knowledge uh, and makes you feeling better because I've heard people that are like getting pre preoccupied by the numbers are are you afraid of that that uh, numbers are gonna take over are gonna guide your decisions well i think it's i think it's actually giving me more guidance um because okay i get the spikes from certain things but it comes back down and I remember my mom telling me actually when she was younger and the doctor where it wasn't really known that much about, but the doctor actually said to my mom, as long as it comes back down, it might go up, but as long as it comes down and doesn't stay up there, you will be fine. You know, that's, that's yeah. how she was educated back then. It's as long as your number comes back down. So, um, for me, I'm learning what's taking me up there, what to change, what to do. Um, you know, I take into effect my age as well. Obviously, you know, you're going towards the 50 mark and your body changes. So 
I've got all this um, going on. So yeah, it's, it, it's educating me. I mean, I have an apple and it causes me a, a little spike. So it's, it's, it's just educating. I'm not getting scared at this stage, but um, the monitor gives you an average, uh, you'll be aware, Jess, it gives you an average of what your A1C is running at. Yeah. And even with this morning, the morning spikes I'm having, the average is actually working out good. So okay. um, all's good. And my nighttime line is always in the fives. That's that's the that's straightest perfect. line. Yeah. And th that's like strange. So when I'm asleep, maybe I just need to sleep more because that's when I've got <laughs> <laughs> I've got the straight line when I'm in bed fast asleep. Yeah. No stress, Jesse. No stress when I'm sleeping. <laughs> I think um, we could all no. use a bit of more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, there's a loop there. So yeah, I'm. I, you know, it's um, it's not stressing me out. Yeah, I, I'm that's learning. good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because like I said, for some people it just creates that that stress and worry and but I'm, I'm glad for you it's working this fine yeah no it's good mm -hmm. um i wanted to touch a little bit on insurance if that's okay for you um because um uh, obviously this podcast will be um international international yes that's the word i was looking for um so it might be interesting to hear how um, Modi is uh, on insurance in different countries. So for in, in my instance, um, I'm like now classified as a type one to get my insurance. Um, if my diagnosis at Modi, I wouldn't be entitled to. Mm. Um, so what is it like for you? What are you uh, entitled to, to get from care, doctor's appointments, um, like well, test strips? Are you getting those funded? How does it yeah. look like? In the, um, in the UK, we, I get free prescriptions on the NHS. Um, so because Modi, it's not, a curable condition and it's of a condition that's going to stay with me for my lifetime um then i have to have these tablets and i have to test my sugars with the with the the pricking of the finger on the strips so yes i don't have to pay for that um there are other conditions um as well i think it's if you suffered with like uh, underactive thyroid and you have to be on a medication for life again you, you don't have to pay okay. for it but other people if they go to the chemist to collect a prescription then yes they have to fund that themselves but if you're diabetic you, if you come under the diabetic um category yeah that's the word the category <laughs> then yes um it, it's funded okay so and are there like any um 
you get a certain amount of supplies. Like for me, um, I was only getting 90 test trips a year, which is ridiculously few. No, you can, like, if you get a prescription, you can go to the pharmacy and get it. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, I've recently, um, to be honest, it was just prior to me purchasing my um, sensor Mm -hmm. um, I requested that I needed more testing strips because I was trying to find a pattern myself so Mm -hmm. I was testing more than once during the day so I was finding I was going through and I did contact my doctors and I said I I need more than just one packet and to be honest they were absolutely fine so they upped it to um having two two sets i think the 60 uh yeah i think the 60 in one so yeah they sent me two but okay. i haven't been doing it so often because i've now got my gadgets yeah, of and thing away on my um on my arm but uh, yeah so i've, I've been lucky there that there, there hasn't been a problem and i i'm yeah. on like a repeat prescription process so when i run low I can actually do it on my phone through an app with the NHS and you just put in your next prescription and then you just go to the chemist and collect it. And yeah, Wonderful. All, all good. That's nice to hear because that's like another trouble for some people. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no. lucky, I'm lucky now too, so uh, I can't complain at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Claire, you mentioned you have two beautiful children, Ethan and Sophie. Were you worried that you would pass on the gene onto them? Um, I think back in 2002, um, 2003, genetics just wasn't spoken about. Um, so I actually never really thought about passing Modi onto them. And in some ways, I'm actually glad um, because I probably would have worried um, so much about it. So I just was like, it didn't even cross my mind um, about my condition would go down to my children. It was in 2010, my mom did her research into finding more about genetic testing Sophie was born 2003 so it wasn't until 2010 that we actually started um, the journey with genetics Uh, it was after research online that she came across this wonderful lady Professor Maggie Shepherd who's based at the Exeter NHS genetic diabetes research department Um, we both did the blood tests and that was when they found Modi um, the mutation of the HNF1A gene Um, so finding out from that that it's a 50% uh, likely of inheriting the faulty gene um, that it can be passed down to your children I then took it on board to to get genetic testing done for both Sophie and Ethan, because 
I was in the unknown. I, I, I found out this information. I thought, whoa, hold on a minute. My either Sophie or Ethan could, could have inherited this. So in 2013, Sophie was age nine and Ethan seven. We started the genetic journey. They both underwent um, counselling sessions, exploring how they would each feel if they had inherited the gene alteration. They understood that having the gene um, alteration, it wouldn't exactly mean that they'd have diabetes now as a child, but that it would develop in some point in the future. So they were sort of quite well educated and informed at the time. Um, and as their mom, I just felt I wanted to be a bit proactive and felt it would help um, for this information to be known so they would receive the appropriate medical care. Um, so yeah, we decided to go down that route and Sophie and Ethan were, bless them, they, they were just so good. They really were and they understood. But on the 20th of March, I know the date, 20th of March, 2003, I received a phone call from the genetics department, um, which did alarm me at the time because I requested the results via a letter. So I was a bit, you know, oh no. Yeah, um, you were expecting bad news. No, no, no. And no. when they said, hi, this is the genetics department, I just, oh, honestly, my heart... Uh, then they explained to me they've had to call due to the results and they basically said that the um the results were that neither sophie or ethan had inherited the alteration in the hnf1a gene and explained that this means that they would not expect them to develop modi and that their chance of developing diabetes is reduced the same as anyone else in the population. They also confirmed it in a letter, but I, Jesse, I had to ask and I contacted them. I contacted so many people saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Because I didn't believe because it's one in two and I yeah. thought one was bound to have it, but um they reassured me that if they haven't inherited the altered gene yeah. um that modi will not develop in them i i asked can it skip a generation they were no they haven't got it so we all have two copies yeah. of this gene one from mother one from a father and um in my case it was my father's copy that went to both Sophie and Ethan the healthy one so I was yeah. like thank the lord <laughs> yeah it must have been such a relief yeah it was probably as well as uh, of having the results of of being pregnant it was one of those results in my life that honestly it was the best news best news I could hear so all good I'm very lucky <laughs>
So you were totally oblivious to the to the fact you could pass it on at the time you were pregnant. Didn't know. We did. We just genetics was just not spoken about. It was not um, on the news. It was. Um, it just wasn't. It wasn't around. So yeah. we were just quite oblivious. We just didn't know. I didn't know that there was a, a risk there. Mm. Um, but as I say, I think I'm glad because yeah. sometimes I can worry. And at the back of my mind, I would have probably had this mm. and as well as everything, wanting to have a baby and the stress. And so, yeah, I just, thankfully yeah. everything went through, you know, everything was smooth and... I'm very lucky. I just don't want I, I don't want people and and young people to feel afraid of starting a family because they will have normal a childhood. It will be normal. And if they did inherit it, they will get to a sensible age where they will understand and I just think in life and the way science is today and what they are doing out there and research, things could be different. And I just don't want people to be put off with having children with this fear of passing down the genes. It's you work honestly it just everything fits in and whatever happens it's life you just it fits in like a jigsaw so yeah I feel like you're talking to me directly now yeah there you go I, do, I just think it's so important yeah. that don't have the worry because whatever happens there's always a way round meant to so. happen that way that's my bit of advice for today. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. And, and I need that sometimes. There you go. To hear that from somebody who really gets it. Yes, absolutely. So um, you mentioned before you had to switch to insulin during both of your pregnancies. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because that must have been quite a change for you educated on how to manage that and stuff like that was it yeah. difficult yeah I discuss it no problem um when I knew it was the right time um I visited my doctor to discuss and they actually put me on folic acid um which helps to prevent birth defects so I started that quite early to be honest um, and was told to carry on taking my glycoside until I actually tested positive. Um, my pregnancy was positive. Mm -hmm. So when the amazing news happened, um, I was, well, actually, when I did my test, I was actually going skiing the next week. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, my God. God, what do, what do I do? Do I do this holiday? And I went to ask my doctor and I said, like, I'm tested positive. And um, he said, no, he said, you'll be absolutely fine. So I went, I went ahead with, with that skiing holiday. 
um, which was all good. It, it okay. was all good. So, um, yeah, I was then told um, to stop taking the glycoside, and that's when they started me on insulin. I was booked in very early with a scan, like right at the beginning, which is quite amazing because you just see a tiny flicker. That's all you see. And that flicker is the heart. Um, so they want to just make sure for definite the pregnancy, it, there is something there. Yeah. And that's all you see is a tiny little flicker. My plan forward consisted of weekly hospital visits uh, to check sugar levels and also regular scans. I had to keep weekly diaries of food I was eating and test sugars two hours after every meal. And my fingers were getting quite sore. As you yeah, can I can imagine. imagine. Yeah, that's probably the time where I could have done with a, uh, a sensor. I was told, I was basically told, take what insulin you require to make sure that my sugars were below eight, which is about uh, 144 yeah. after every meal. With Sophie, I was initially started on two injections each day. Um, I think he was called, you might know this, a, a hum, humulin, humulin 3 yeah. insulin um, for breakfast and then a humulin 4 for dinner. And then that moved to four injections for the last few months of that pregnancy to a Nova Rapid, which is a fast-acting yeah. insulin. Um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then I had a background insulin. I can't pronounce, I think it's called insulatard. Insulatard. Yeah, that's, my mom is on that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a background insulin. So Sophie was born. Um, she actually came four and a half weeks early. Um, she was weighing um, £7.14, which is about 3.5 kilograms. So she was a good size for an, yeah. early, an early baby but she was kept in the neonatal for one week because her lungs were still developing yeah. but she was good she was okay. all good um with Ethan straight from the start it was four injections every day um throughout the nine months it was more challenging I felt I don't know if it's a boy thing or a different hormone <laughs> um so it was a little bit more challenging as well as having the little Sophie who was yeah. sort of going into the terrible two stage. So I was having to manage mm -hmm. insulin, yeah. the testing, the hospital, and then having the little one. So it was a busy time. It was, a, it was a busy time, but I found with Ethan, my, I've, I've got some numbers here, which I can just, um, give you the insulin doses increased rapidly mm -hmm. and by the end my doses were morning 90 units does that make sense I don't know yeah how many 90 nine zero yeah, that sounds like my quite a lot to me lunch, <laughs> lunch time was 46 mm -hmm. my evening meal was 68 and my background was 32 and 
honestly, Jesse, the, I used to just be pumping this insulin into me and it scared me, to be honest. It really did because they, what they used to say to me at the hospital is that my body wasn't recognising the insulin. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's actually pretty common to, be, to become more insulin resistant in the third trimester yeah. of pregnancy. So it makes sense you need more yeah. during that time. Yeah. But so, obviously I've no experience myself. No, so you just have to... I mean, I, I had I had the thinking that I'll do every, everything I can that to keep my sugars where they should be through mm-hmm. these pregnancies. Yeah. And, um, you know, I did it. You would do it, Jesse. Anyone would do it if you know that everything's yeah, going to be Yeah, of course. It's, uh... Ethan, he was, I was induced two weeks um, early with Ethan and he weighed nine pounds, seven ounces. So... He yeah. was 4.3 kilograms. So big boy. He was a big boy. Yeah. And I decided um, to breastfeed for both. And I did six months with each and I had to remain on insulin. Okay. Yeah. My injections. Oh my God. This is where you see the difference. So I went down to two injections mm-hmm. in the morning, six units on the evening, 10 units. So that just shows you the difference. Yeah, that's a, yeah that's a huge difference. Yes. Massive. Oh. And then once, you know, I put them on the bottle, it was back on to what I call my magic glipicide mm-hmm. and everything was, was, um, was just fine. But you just have to do, when it happens, you do what is necessary to, to have them healthy blood sugars. Yeah there's a lot going on in your body so yeah it was it was challenging on insulin it was challenging um but I had two healthy healthy babies and the other thing where I was lucky is I never had any morning sickness so that obviously can be an issue with people eating yeah you know, if you're on the insulin and you've got this sickness and obviously that can affect, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was very lucky on that side. And did you like experience any lows? Because uh, you talk about um, yes. keeping your blood levels below a certain level, but... Yeah, the, I think I, I remember my very first low, which I hadn't really experienced a bad low and it was during the night and I just woke up and basically I was like shaking heart my heart was beating so fast mm-hmm. but all I wanted was food I just I was like an animal Jesse. Yeah. I came down and I raided the cereals and I just couldn't get enough cereals down me and that was my first experience of a, a low um where I think it was sort of like 2.1 it had gone but I woke up and I then sort of got to know what to do um because it was all new I wasn't sort of like explained about this um and sometimes during the day it would happen but I just used to carry a couple of biscuits with me mm-hmm. that would 
help bring it back up yeah. and yeah because you so don't you really experience the lows with glycoside I I don't unless I do something really energetic mm -hmm. or most of the times if I experience a low it's when I'm having a mad gardening session and then I can have a low yeah. but during my pregnancy yes it happened quite a bit but you yeah. do get to know how to manage it yeah you yeah. learn to recognize the signals and that's correct act appropriately, yeah. Yeah, act appropriately. Yeah. yes thanks for sharing that no problem so I always love to end um, conversations on a positive note so um, I would love to hear if there are any positives that have come from your diagnosis can you think of some of those it's enabled me to live a healthy lifestyle which it's not just important to me having Modi it's important to everybody having a good healthy diet exercise um positives on learning nutritional facts learning new things and also for my family to be brought up in the environment of a healthy lifestyle and hopefully they'll pass it on to their children and beyond and then meeting people like you jesse oh. <laughs> The community and I've I've made such wonderful friends. Sue, uh, there's a lady in Canada, Leslie. I've yeah. met such wonderful people, and it's great. It's it's enabled me to connect with others around the world that understand me, and it's lovely. So it sure yeah, is, yeah. there's some positives that have come out of it which is good, all good. Yes, yes, it's, uh, it's the thing we need to focus on, on the yes. good stuff. You have such an amazing story. <laughs> I, I, well, I feel like, uh, yeah. Uh, just one other thing, just a bit of out of curiosity. I noticed some things like you celebrate St. Patrick's Day and Sophie's uh, a member of Netball Ireland. But what's your connection with Ireland? I, I don't get it. Okay, well, with um, Sophie, the connection is um, Sophie's grandparents. So Paul's parents, Paddy and Mary Murray, um, they were both born in Dublin in Ireland. Okay. Um, although there is Irish descent on my side, but it's my great man, Mary Murphy, um, the relation for island netball has to be um, with a parent or grandparents. So that's enabled her to get involved with island netball. Sadly, um, they're both no longer with us. Um, and Mary passed away suddenly last year. Um, and they never got to know that their granddaughter was playing for Ireland but oh. do you know what they're looking down I know they're I'm sure down. they are yeah so that's the connection there and okay. oh she's she's having a wonderful time she's having a wonderful experience yeah but like, she is uh, I was just curious about it <laughs> thank you
I think we can we can wrap this one up. Uh, unless there's something else you would like to to talk about, like to share with us, um, oh, or like to I... ask me, perhaps. Um, no, I just I just think, like I've said to you before, Jesse, I just think you're doing a great job um, by spreading the awareness and educating us all on new facts. It's all so interesting, and I just want to say, keep up the good work. And um, thank you for having me on here. <sighs> I, hope, I hope everybody enjoys listening to uh, to our chat. I'm sure they will. I, I found it a very pleasant conversation. I'm so glad you agreed to come on here and talk to me. And thank, thank you. you. Thank you for all the for the lovely That's compliment you paid me just. Um... Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Jesse. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was a lovely conversation with Claire. I truly learned so much. She's such a positive lady and I admire her greatly for that. I truly hope that when I reach level 26, I can still be as positive as she is. Stay tuned for next week because next week we're going to talk with another lovely lady who has Modi 5. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show. It helps others to find us and reach more listeners. Thank you so much and till next week. Bye.